Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. It is the Steve Jones Show on this Monday. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, great selection of new and pre-owned inventory. Great service department that is there for you with many awesome technicians ready to serve you with the diagnostics, the inspections, all the routine maintenance. And, of course, they're looking for more of those awesome technicians. So whether you're looking for a first job, you're looking for a career change, or you just simply want to try something different, they're there for you. And also backed up by a great sales staff that is there for you to make sure that you get the deal you're looking for with a new car. All part of the Sunbury Motors guarantee. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. And every Monday show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Home, auto, life, business, and soon to be, RV and boat soon will be opening up the marinas around the valley. We'll see the boats on the Susquehanna again. Looking forward to that as the warmer weather is back. So get in touch with them today. They are the true pros pros when it comes to insurance matters. All at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. So we're recapping blue-white. 2023 today, 63,000 at Beaver Stadium on Saturday, despite the early weather. We'll get into that today. SI.com's Mark Wogenrich will give us his thoughts at 406 today. Chris Mack from 93.7 The Fan is back with us at 335 today as well to give his take on the latest in Pittsburgh sports, including the Pens cleaning house at the top, Pirates early start to the season, Steelers draft with the draft next week, all that coming up. And more today as we continue on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult, well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. 
more than quality new and used cars. Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday. Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai. North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. Hi, this is Season. For over 100 years, the Purdy Insurance Agency has been protecting families and businesses of the greater Susquehanna Valley and beyond. With the experience of our trained and knowledgeable staff, you can rest assured that your needs will be evaluated and met by some of the industry's best representatives. No matter what your insurance needs are, call Purdy Insurance today at 570-286-5855. Visit our website at purdyinsurance.com or check us out on Facebook to see what we can do for you. Pleasure for me earlier today to, um, even though it was against my team, to watch the best player in baseball play, Shohei Otani. God, he's good. Is there anybody better than him? And not only that, like when they check him, like between innings, he's like, I mean, everything's good. When you, the Yankees do the when the Yankees go out to get Spider Tech, they just go to Costco and get like a discount. <laughs> uh, not that I'm aware of, but um... seems like the whole staff's on it now. All right, um, so there we go. Unbelievable. Ah, you guys are. Do you guys ever play road games? I know it has been home heavy to start the year. No, it's like I think they've only played like twelve road games like in two years, right? In that case, yes. And then, and then the Eagles go out and they give a two hundred fifty-five million dollar contract to a guy that's never won a Super Bowl. Oh, right. my almighty! <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Holy mackerel. <laughs> Whew. Well, imagine what Nick Foles is worth. Interesting question. $255 million. 179 guaranteed. Wow. Yep. I, I knew he'd get paid, but um, he got paid, and then some. No, he got paid about what I he got paid about. What I thought he was going to get that was pretty. I thought he was going to get two fifty. He got two fifty five. So, um, I mean, so he ended up getting about what I thought he would get. I mean, no offense. I think it's a. I mean, on a scale, I think it's it's. I thought what Deshaun Watson got paid was absurd. I thought what um I thought what Russell Wilson got paid was absurd. I totally agree. Getting, I think what he's getting paid is absurd. Yep, I totally agree. 
The whole quarterback market is absurd right now. Yeah, I mean, and let's let's be honest with you, what Aaron Rodgers is getting is, I mean, and Rodgers has had a thousand times the career Jalen Hurts has had because um, he's had a career. I mean, the reason is he's had a career. Um, that's why I always love these questions about and Shohei Otani is better than Babe Ruth. Let's let him have 10 years first, okay? And then we can judge how he's done after 10 years. Everybody's just too impatient to, to say, you know, he's one of the 10 best ever. Just slow down. Let him have a career, okay? Um, and you can get perspective from history. That's why when we had Kate Scott on the, on the show on Friday, you know, I, I brought up now Kate's younger. Kate's, I think Kate's in her 30s or something like that. But when the Bucks won the championship in 71, it was when they acquired Oscar Robertson from the Cincinnati Royals. And Robertson, who had averaged one season a triple-double in his career, had always been the show with the Cincinnati Royals. And he had to really scale back um, his scoring because he looked inside and he saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And it worked, and they won the championship. And now, you know, and anybody who's a um, who studies history, sports history, that's the comparison with James Harden and Joel Embiid. Now, in the last few days, um, I saw Shohei Otani, best player in baseball, and Nikola Jokic. I watched him in the playoff. He's the best player in the NBA. You just get so angry. I don't understand your anger. I had somebody come up to me yesterday at the Paternal Run, listens to the show every day, <laughs> looked at me, he goes, I love the Bitterness Cafe. <laughs> so go ahead, let her rip. You, sir, are my hero. Come on, I like it to that sir. guy. Why don't you serve your cup of gruel? <laughs> well, let's get back to what happened with the Yankees over the weekend with Domingo Herman. Because actually, I do put him at fault here for this. And I think Rocco Baldelli should not have been thrown out. He had every right to complain about that and should not have been thrown out. And once again, goes to my prior rant, is those are one of the circumstances where umpires need to get over themselves and not just throw people out because that you don't like what they have to say for a decision that you made for something like this. That's that's an aside. But in terms of Domingo Herman, I know what he was using was apparently legal. It was just the rosin. I get that. Everybody can use it. But I'll give you a hint, Domingo. If the umpire is telling you you got too much on it to clean off your hands, you better do it. And guess what? You didn't do it, and then all of a sudden you get scared out of your out of your pants that you're going to get thrown out. Well, what did you expect? Do what the umpire says if you don't want to deal with those intense conversations. Good Lord. Take the rosin off and deal with it. Because guess what? You've stunk to high heaven in every one of your starts so far until all of a sudden you strike out 11 guys. So, yeah, if I'm the umpires, I'm checking you, too. Just do what the umpire says. You won't have to worry about it. How about that for a change? Then show me if you can actually pitch. 
Take a book from Coltrane. He got caught with spider tack. And guess what? He's bounced back since then, pitched a gem yesterday. Still Why don't you learn from it. your ace? Still using it. All right. Uh, I'm telling you, he's still using it. He doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to get around it. He's still using it. What do you think? I, I hope he's not. If he is, then that's an issue. But I hope he's not. I don't think he can. He can't handle life without it. I'm telling you. <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. But yes, I actually do fault Domingo Herman for what happened on Saturday. 100%. Hmm. Any other issues? Actually, I do have another baseball issue that came up. See, I was in, not only, I I was driving all over the state of Pennsylvania over the weekend because we went to my in-laws in Indiana, PA, for the weekend, and then I came back for the blue-white game on Saturday, drove back, and then drove back home yesterday from Indiana. So I had a lot of time in the car listening to, I usually like to listen to our our guys at 93.7 The Fan. We'll have Chris Mack coming on in a little bit. And they were talking about the Brian Reynolds situation. And first of all, it's still amazing to me that Bob Dunning is actually allowing a six-figure deal in a negotiation with a star player in Brian Reynolds. That's, first of all, that's that's still breaking news to me. But now that I, now they're at the stalemate, and I guess it's from what they're saying, it's over what year Reynolds can opt out. He wants four, Pirates want five. And I guess how it's how it's come to it, no one everyone everyone's trying to play, you know, everyone understands where each side's coming from. I'm totally with Brian Reynolds here in this case. Because you all of a sudden are now giving are offering me a six figure deal which is not hap- which it never happens in the history of this franchise. And then you want me to try and stay on an extra year, and even though it, whether whether or not that the Pirates are a playoff contender or not, how can I trust you based on your history that you're even going to help the cause, let alone whatever happens on the field? you got to prove it to me that you're going to give some of these other nice contracts to other key players besides me. I don't want to be the lone guy. If I had a chance to go in somewhere else and you're just going to give up after one big deal, so I, I'm totally with Brian Reynolds here. I think he should hold out his case, and I think Bob Nunning's got another set of goulouns. Oh, I'm sorry. You done? Oh. I mean, I got to admit, that was a little rambling. <laughs> you kind of were rambling a little bit there. <laughs> okay. All right. We're doing all right, right? Yeah, we're, we're good. good now. Yeah. Whew, thank goodness. All right. I was worried. started to scare me a little bit because there was a period of time like a lot of that didn't make sense all right so <laughs> it's like okay but i did enjoy myself on saturday well good i'm glad you did so uh when it comes to the blue white game as i pointed out several times last week for the blue white game for the media and the fans really 
it is the one time you really get to see something extended. Fans, it's the first time. But even though the media gets to go to Tuesdays for a little bit, it really is the first extended period of time for them, too. Okay? And the... Um, the defense, without question, dominated. I mean, you know, anybody knows that. Deny Dennis Sutton, who did not go through the spring last year, winter workouts, right? Because he went to McDonough. McDonough doesn't allow guys to to exit, or doesn't allow any student to exit early. So in other words, P.J. Mustafer, Curtis Jacobs, Devon Ellis, now denied Dennis Sutton, couldn't get here until June when they came out of there. You know, that's, that's, that's fine. That's, that's how it works. No problem. Um, and so he went through the winter program, and now he's going, going through the spring, and he's just been dominant the entire time. It just gives them a great situation at defensive end. You know, when you've got Deny... Chop Robinson, who was terrific, and again, Chop didn't go through Penn State spring workouts last year either. Adisa Isaac, you can see he's got that burst back. Amin Van over there have a great situation there. K.J. Winston, I think I said on the broadcast uh, early on, I said, I said, Jack, I said, K.J. Winston looks like he's out of central casting. I said, we need somebody to play the role of a safety here. Who looks like one? I said, that looks like a safety. And guess what? He plays it. You see how he plays the run? He's also really good against the pass. KJ's a good football player. Big day for him as well. Storm Duck, you can tell, is going to be a big help and a plus at that corner spot. And Amari Evans. Amari Evans has had a lot of moments during the course of the spring and in that search for that third wideout, where there's no doubt that Trey Wallace and Keandre Lambert-Smith had separated themselves from the pack, Evans has always been on on that cusp, right? And they keep pushing to see if he can be a part of it because he's got that speed to do it. And he had some good days. He had a lot of good days. Saturday, he had a terrific day. And I want to say something quickly about there were some people that were talked about the touchdown play, and they said it was obviously offensive pass interference. That's fine. That that is perfectly fine. I'm okay. No problem at all with your evaluation that if you thought it was offensive pass interference. This is what I loved about it, and that is. The defensive back, which I think was Storm Duck, got physical with him on the play. Just like they've been physical with them during the course of the spring. I mean, the DBs have been physical. And guess what? He got physical back and got separation. It wasn't called. Probably should have been called. That's irrelevant to me. I like the fact that he got physical as a wideout. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. 
And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Marcus Ree and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto Home Life Business. RV, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be. They're the best in the business when it comes to insurance. Pros, pros. To make sure you're fully insured and not only that, to make sure that you get the best deal possible and save money. It is all at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf Online, sunburymotors.com. Great to bring in from Pittsburgh our good friend Chris Mack. Chris, how have you been? Great, Steve. How about yourself? Doing well, thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, is anybody in that town talking about the 9-7 and seven Pirates, or is it just like nobody really believes? Well, I mean, look, it's going to take a while before we all, quote-unquote, believe that it's anything more than a really fortuitous start. Like but 20, like, have, like till 2050? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, on, on our show this morning, we actually kicked it around, and we all came up with different dates, you know. Somebody said All-Star break. Uh, somebody else said, you know, uh, middle of June. I said Memorial Day. Um, it, you know, we're going to have to see more more than just two weeks um yeah, you know I two know. months i think would be a really good sign and even then mm. i think this team has built a whole lot more like the 2011 or 2012 versions that collapsed late in the season uh yeah. so that, that, that walked in order to be able to run in 2013 14 and 15 um it, it is encouraging though when uh, the guy you had pegged as, as your closer comes out and closes games down. When the rest of the back end of the bullpen, for the most part, other than yesterday afternoon uh, in extras, looks pretty good. When you know, uh, when, when the, the lineup is sustaining itself in the immediate aftermath of O'Neill Cruz going out for the year. When Andrew McCutcheon looks like more than just a PR move. He's, he's one of the two or three best hitters in your lineup. When Brian Reynolds continues to produce and not be distracted by uh, the the talk of his extension. So there are lots of good signs, um, but we're Pirates fans. You know, we've been burned before. Yeah. We're not going to get too high or too low. Yeah. Uh, before I get to the football part of it, uh, the house cleaning, with the exception of Mike Sullivan by the Penguins, uh, not surprising, but what did you think of it? Uh, just what you said. Unsurprising uh, that without making the playoffs for the first time in 17 years, that they would clean house. What I think will be fascinating is, and you mentioned Mike Sullivan sticking around and, and basically leading the hockey operations department in, in the transition period. Um, yeah. He is the most senior person in that department until they hire a new either president and or general manager. So he's going to have a big influence, I would imagine, on how things go in the interim, whether that's uh, two weeks or a month or six weeks. Uh, hopefully it's done before the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs so that they're ready to launch themselves uh, right into offseason um, maneuvers as soon as that becomes an option. 
Um, but what will be interesting is how much influence does he have over the process uh, and how much influence does Sidney Crosby have over the process? Um, mm-hmm. it, rightfully so, because he is the face of the league still, as great as Connor McDavid may be, as great as mm-hmm. the up-and-coming younger players are in this league. Um, Sidney Crosby is still a 35-year-old pumping out point-per-game seasons. Um, and he is still the face of the franchise. So I imagine he's going to have a little bit of a say in what things look like going forward. The part that worries me is that I believe Sid is a a creature of comfort to a certain extent, uh, or a creature of habit, I guess I should say. Comfort uh, comes off in a negative light. A, A creature of habit in that, he likes to have his guys around and some of the same people around, and that may preclude the level of change that is needed within this organization, both personnel-wise and management-wise. And then also Mike Sullivan, I would think, is going to want more experienced people around, or the organization should want more experienced people around Mike Sullivan so that he isn't necessarily pushing all the buttons via a surrogate who gets implanted as the GM and is just a Mike Sullivan uh, clone or rubber stamp. So it, that that belies what I think they need, which is a younger, more up-and-coming, analytically driven uh, style hockey ops leader. They may end up having to go with a more known name with a stronger leadership hand at a president position and giving the GM job to, like I said, a younger, up-and-coming, mm-hmm. more analytically driven GM. It will help this team make the changes they need to make, including stylistically at the coaching level, not necessarily firing Sullivan, but telling him, hey, you've got to do things a little bit differently if your best players are 36 and 37 years old. Yet the older players, that core that they signed in the offseason, Latang, uh, Malkin, and Crosby, actually were three of the top five players on the team. To me, the problem was the people they put around them was the problem, and that's why Hextall right. got fired, because they did not fill in the gaps around the core, and the core actually did its job. And that's exactly what this offseason will have to be about. First and foremost, let us I, I don't want to get it wrong or mislead anybody into thinking it's not a priority. Whoever the GM is, or president of hockey ops, or whoever's ultimately calling the shots, goaltending needs to be the first priority. So I think if you're a Penguins fan, you're somewhat discouraged by the way Sullivan... Uh, defended Tristan Jari in the in the uh, press conferences post game eighty two. Um, the way Tristan Jari made excuses via his injuries. Look, nobody nobody's not sympathetic to him trying to play through injury, but that can't be the excuse for not beating teams like Chicago or Ottawa or Montreal or San Jose down the stretch when just one of those wins would have bolted you into the playoffs. Um, He has not been good enough um, to win in the playoffs. And you need more than that with this team. You need somebody who's not just good enough to win in the playoffs. You need somebody who's good enough to maybe steal you around in the playoffs at some point. And there's nobody like that available on the free agent market this offseason. So it's going to require making a very skilled uh, and creative trade of some sort, whether that's targeting a UC Soros in Nashville, uh, a John Gibson in Anaheim. We all know he's a Pittsburgh native. Uh, I imagine he he wouldn't necessarily be torn up about leaving uh, the team with the first overall pick who's in clear rebuilding mode in Anaheim to come home. Um, You know, those those are options, but it's going to take someone being very creative in that regard. And then also, oh, by the way, 
retaining Jason Zucker, who's probably going to get an offer of more than $5 million a year on the open market and is going to be 31 next year. Uh, also, um, you know, like you said, rebuilding those depth lines where you got, uh, just, uh, I don't want to say zero production, but close to zero production throughout the year. Um, that's, a, that's a tall order for, for anybody, let alone somebody who's walking into the job, right? Yeah, yeah no question. All right, draft's coming up in a little more than a week, mm-hmm. a couple weeks, essentially. Uh, the Steelers could trade up. But what's the thought process right now? Every time I turn around, I see Joey Porter Jr.'s name linked. Sure. But that's not their only option. What, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, offensive tackle, I think a lot of us as fans and analysts of the team have it pegged as a bigger priority than they do. Not to say that they don't think it's a need, but I don't think they look at it the same way as they look at, say, corner or even interior D-line, which is why the Jalen Carter rumors, I think, have been bubbling to the surface, and it helps when right. Peter King writes about it. Um, yeah, right. So I think, you know, those are, are, are if you ask me to, to tell you what I'd like to see them do with those first three picks where they are at 17, 32, and 49 overall, I say the template would be offensive tackle, corner, interior D lineman in some order with those three picks. That also that also belies the fact that they, they need an inside linebacker in this draft. I mean they went out and signed a couple of free agents, but nobody that's going to light the world on fire. Um so they got guys that are stop gaps, I think. Landon Roberts and uh the guy from Washington. Um so those are that's just what I said, stop gaps at that position. So very clearly they have positions of need I do not like the idea of trading up and possibly having to trade 17 and 32 to get to a position where you would go after Jalen Carter, as Peter King suggested uh, in his column this morning. Um, If Jalen Carter happens to tumble all the way to 17, I have no problem with that, or even to, you know, into the, the, the teens, 13, 14, 15. You can move up to that spot without trading the 32nd pick. I think the 32nd pick, might actually be their most valuable in this draft because it will be the first pick of the second night after the first round has shaken out, and they will essentially have close to 24 hours to broker with the entire league uh, on you know teams that want to move up because they see somebody that's there that they don't think is going to last. They could really turn 32 into not just a good player, a, a possible starter, but they have a better chance, I think, to turn 32 into multiple picks that they can use to get uh, you know, helpful players. Maybe not day one walk-into-camp starters, but impact players. And again, they've got more than just two or three positions of need. Yeah. Uh, the fact is that you, know, you mentioned 17, and then they got the Bears pick in the... Mm-hmm. Rather interesting. <laughs> I still to this day <laughs> can't deal believe. At this point, right? <laughs> I, when they made the deal, Chris, I looked at it and I said, "The heck is the Bears thinking?" It made no <laughs> I, sense I to me. Don't know. Uh, but they've got the pick. I mean, they have an opportunity to get pretty good pretty quick. Plus, they've already signed like a guy like Patrick Peterson. Who, if they decided to draft a young corner. Guess who's going to help him in the in the league? It's going to be him. 
Oh, yeah, that's why I think it makes so much sense to, to take a corner, probably with one of the first two picks, right? I mean, I, yeah. I love the idea of, of Joey Porter Jr. if he's there at 17. But if one of those top three tackles is also there, then I might be inclined to go tackle first and then roll the dice on a corner falling to 32. I would understand it wouldn't be Joey Porter Jr. at that point. It would be somebody else, maybe a Kelly Ringo out of Georgia, somebody sort of on that second tier of corners. But I'd be okay with that if I were the Steelers. You point out the the system of support that they'll have in place around a lot of these guys, whoever they draft on defense. It's why you can envision a Jalen Carter sure. coming to Pittsburgh and 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 panning out because well, there's Cam Hayward in the room, right? I mean, right. there 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 are there's T.J. Watt in the room. There are guys that are going to be there to help bring him along, um, and that's why I think the corner position will work out too, even if they don't get it at 17. Um, and so, really, I, I don't know if they can screw up even just staying put at 17. The only way they, they screw up staying put at 17 is if there are two runs on both corners and offensive tackles that leave them standing there with neither of those positions to draft appropriate value at 17, in which case, I think you trade back a few picks, maybe. You trade back into the 20s, maybe. Gain yourself another pick in day two, perhaps, and say, okay, the guys that we liked at 17 overall, they're not there. We'll bounce back. We'll have a few more picks. Maybe we get a corner at 23, and we get an offensive tackle that we understand will need a little more seasoning at 32. Uh, maybe, again, we, we draft back, or excuse me, we trade back from 32. I think they're in a, a very good position to move back if they want to. They're in a decent position to move up if they ultimately decide to do so. And I think that's that's one of the most interesting things for Steeler fans in this draft is how does Andy Weidel, coming over from Philly, how does he bring some of the things that worked in Philly the last few years where their trading for draft day positioning was impeccable? Um, How does he bring some of those things over, some of the things he learned from Howie Roseman, and put them into practice for the Steelers because they've already had their biggest, their busiest, I should say, free agency season in ever. <laughs> you know, they right. traditionally do not shop this much on the free agent market, even if we're talking about some second tier guys as a part of the additions. They, they just don't. And so that's already the first turn we've seen away from what was a more conservative Kevin Colbert philosophy. You have Omar Khan and Andy Weidel sort of leading a, leading a charge toward, hey, we think we've got the pieces in place. Let's fill out the holes a little more aggressively. And by the way, if you draft a corner, it doesn't mean Peterson can't play safety. Uh, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's something to be kept in, kept in mind. Chris, it's always a pleasure, my friend. It's great to hear you. You as well, Steve. I hope the team looks good on Saturday. I expect a full report. Okay. I will give you a full report. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks again. Chris Mack. Um. This is the 10th anniversary of the Boston Marathon bombing. I mean, not to this particular day, but today's Patriots Day. Uh, I'll talk about it in a moment because it played out on this show that day. But uh, just a couple of quick notes on it as we continue on News Radio 1070. Offensively, it was really good to see some young guys step up. I thought Omari really stepped up, and we need a third wideout to step up. So that was exciting to see him make some plays out there. I thought, you know, Caden Saunders did some things, and Ivy did some things, Malik McLean did some things. So we need that. 
They do need that. Uh, oh, uh, okay. I'll, uh, I wasn't going to go in that direction, but I'm forced to now because I thought I previewed the segment before, but that's all right. I'll do whatever the company wants. All right. Uh, fine. Uh, so, okay. Um, I was going to save this for the last half hour, but I'll, I'll do it now. Um, the Everybody saw the last practice, which, of course, was Saturday. And, of course, the defense did its deal. Amari Evans, I talked about how physical he was on the play. And that's what they need. They need more physicality out of the wide receivers. It's not that the talent's not there, but they have to be, they have to be more physical in what they're doing when there is a defense that is going to be physical with them. And that's what, why, what Evans did on the touchdown play. Yeah, there was no flag. I'm perfectly fine with it. Guess what? You know what he did? He fought back. And he has a lot of talent, and they're looking for that third wide out. He has advanced himself by what he's done, not just in the game, but what he did during the course of the spring. We know there's another wide receiver coming in. But you're going to play six to seven of them during the course of a game. That's why when I'm putting together starters, I look at, like, uh, I can name you 24 starters on defense right now. 24. They may not be the ones that are out there in the first series, but anybody who plays to me is going to play significant minutes, 20 to 25 plays in a game to me is now a starter. And... You saw Saunders do well, and so let me outline what we've seen. Were there days in the month, from the middle of March to now, where the defense played like it did? Yeah. Were there days where it was even? Yep. And were there days where the offense won? Yep. Just in the past week, I can tell you, Tuesday's practice looked a lot like the blue-white game. Thursday's practice, the offense won. So it just depends. Um, That's why you hear James give an optimistic viewpoint of what he's seen on the offense. There's a reason for that. He was at all 15 of them. Like I said, were there days where the defense played like it did? No doubt. But there are days the offense won. And believe me, the offense walked off the field feeling really good about itself because they know against that defense they accomplished something. And I think that's really important um, to give at least some perspective on more than just what you saw on Saturday, because I understand that's all you saw from the past month. And to be honest with you, for the media, for the most part, that's what they saw. Because, yeah, they got the four other practices and saw limited stuff. Um, but to be honest with you, some stuff was missed. And this is... Uh, The two quarterbacks, I mean, Drew, and Drew ended up statistically having a good day. uh, But it was great. He threw one, I think it was behind Saunders. And Saunders reached back and caught it. That's what you need as a quarterback. 
And they also had to go through most of the, it had to go through all the spring without three primary guys. They did not have Tyler Warren. They did not have Theo Johnson. And the transfer, wide receiver from Kent State, uh, of course, isn't here yet. So that's three primary guys that they could not go with and have one arm tied behind their back. We'll talk to Mark Wogenrich about this in the next half hour. Then we'll get to a couple of other things later in the show. Jalen Hurts, $255 million over five years. $179.5 will be guaranteed. Good man. Dramatically has improved as a quarterback. You can see the signs of it going back to when the SEC championship game against Georgia, when he was still at Alabama. I know Lincoln Riley gets a lot of credit. I think Jalen was already on that pathway. He is the leader of that team. He is revered in that locker room. And he plays like he's one of the top players in the league. The question is, nobody's answered this question yet. I don't know what it means for the cap hit, even though I know the